0: Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I am your host, Sheree Sims. As always, I like to start with the pit and peak of my day. This is something that we do at the dinner table with my family to be able to just hear about one another's days and connect with each other and open up conversation for other things. Sometimes it leads to very amazing and deep conversations, or you find out very needed information, and sometimes it's just nice little chit chat, as my six-year-old says. She says, mom, let's chit chat today. So the pit of my day would be that I have two daughters that have severe food allergies. And of course, with food allergies comes other things. And I thought that we knew all of my daughter's allergies. One of them, she's even allergic to latex, which sucks. But lately, every time she gets out of the pool, her body is like broken out in hives. And I don't know if she has an irritation to chlorine. It seems like it's this particular pool that's doing it, but it really sucks. And she loves swimming and I love swimming and we love the pool. But every time she gets out, she's just so uncomfortable and it sucks to watch her be so uncomfortable. It sucks to see these hives on her body and it sucks to not have any idea what they are or what to do and to be like in this exploration phase. So one thing that I love about having community is that anytime I've shared any kind of challenge or issue, I always get an influx of like suggestions or experiences um, and somewhere I find my answer. So if you are someone that has had this kind of issue where you go swimming and you break out in hives, go ahead and comment in the comment section of the of the podcast. I love to read them and like let me know what you think it is or what can help. And it'll be there for other people to see and learn from as well. Uh, so that's the pit of my day. The peak of my day is. That there is this man at the swim center. I told y'all it's summertime. So we spend our days at the pool right now doing swim lessons. Uh, And there's this man there who came up to me and he said, your children are so poised. I just love the way that they walk to their classes, specifically talking about Uh, my number two and number three, because they do class together and they walk over to class together and they're like the same height. And he was telling me how they always walk with their head up and that makes them look very regal and poised. And that just made me feel good. It always feels good to hear good things about your children. So that was the peak of my day, having strangers come up to me and compliment my children. If you ever see me on the street and we don't know each other, come up to me and compliment my children. We'll, we'll, We'll be new besties. So today, I want to talk to you guys about slow-to-warm children. Not slow-to-warm as in slow-to-warm-up, but slow-to-warm as in adjusting to new environments, trying new things, getting acclimated to new places. Uh, If you have multiple children, you most likely have one of these children. I think this is sometimes one of the challenging parts of parenting or teaching is you have different children that all have different personality types. And then you have some children that have personality types very similar to yours and you kind of know exactly what to do. And then you have some children that have very different personality types um, or traits or characteristics. And so it becomes more challenging because you're kind of like, what's wrong with them? So one, let me reassure you that nothing is wrong with your child. I guess I can't totally reassure you that all around. I don't know your child. I don't know your experience. But most likely, even if something is quote wrong, nothing is wrong with your child. It's just a matter of getting to know your child better, getting to understand them um, so that you can provide for them and meet their needs in the way that best works with them. So, the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because I'm actually experiencing this right now with our swim classes. As most of you know, I have twins, they're four years old boy girl twins and even though they are twins they are completely different we have matilda who is super outgoing super comfortable in any space that she's at she loves to make friends she loves to try new things she's she, she's a lot <laughs> If you've listened to past episodes, you've probably heard me say that before. She's a lot, y'all. I feel like she's that child that was given to me to be like, you thought you knew what you were talking about, but here's the one you get to keep learning and growing. Congratulations. So Matilda is the one that keeps me learning and growing and literally every day y'all I say to myself I'm like thank god I'm her mama because I think if she had another mama she might be whooped every day but thank god this girl is mine and I get to love her and keep her safe and take care of her so anyways there's Matilda and then we have Daniel who is the total opposite of Matilda right Matilda will walk into walk onto a playground and want to play with all the children there Daniel will walk onto a playground and want to play by himself Daniel will walk into a classroom and he's that child that kind of will hold on to your leg or hide behind your leg. And a lot of times, especially when we were growing up, we call this child shy, right? But they're not always, I don't know that shy is the accurate word. Usually it just, they need more time to adjust. They need more time to feel safe, to feel comfortable. A lot of times children are still trying to figure out what their place is in the situation so and and trusting the other adults in the situation Um, so we started swim classes we go to swim class because there was the whole pandemic issue and they didn't offer swim classes for their age before this is their first time being able to swim and learn how to swim and be in classes they were not offered where i could find them they were not offered for them these past couple of years I think on day one, we expected that the parents were going to be in the water with the children. So that's what we planned for. I got my suit, got in with the children. It was great. We had a great time. Both the twins got in the water. Both the twins tried things. Now, again, Matilda, she went in the water. This girl, she's the cutest thing swimming, y'all. You should see her. She's the cutest thing. She jumps in the water. She says, mommy, watch me. She thinks she's going to back float. And then she kind of just like throws her body back and sinks her butt to the bottom of the pool. And then when she gets to the bottom of the pool, she crosses her legs and puts her fingers together like she's meditating. (laughs) And She's like, mommy, did you see me? So anyways, Matilda's super comfortable in the water all the way in there under the water. Daniel does not like to get his hair wet. He doesn't want to get his hair wet. He doesn't want to get his ears wet. He barely wants to get his shoulders wet. And I will say that I recognize this is something with Daniel that also has to do with like sensory sensitivities. And so if you have a child where you notice that like they don't like to wear certain types of clothes, start paying attention to see if they're really being picky or if there are certain materials that are uncomfortable. For instance, with Daniel, if there's a button-up shirt He has to wear a shirt underneath because if he feels the buttons on his skin, again, it's a sensory sensitivity. He's not wearing that shirt. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. So there's something about the water that kind of irritates his ears. He doesn't like it on his hair, which when I think about it, I get. I'm like, water moves, right? It's not an instant. You don't just get in and change from like dry to wet, like it moves across your body slowly. And whenever it goes in your ears, it like goes through the crevices and kind of tickles you and tingles. And so if you have sensitivities to sensory issues, that little tingle is going to feel a lot different for you than it would for somebody else. Um, So anyways, Daniel is slow to warm. He is not going to jump right in the water. And like I said, the first class I got in with him, the second class they told us, you guys don't need to get in. So I tr- I tried, y'all, I tried not to get in on the second class. And Dana was like, nope, if you don't go, I'm not going. Now, <laughs> so this is kind of why I want to talk about it, because I feel like I always experience things from the realm of what I was taught you know, just as a person growing up in the 90s versus what I was taught as an educator. And there's always kind of this internal battle. So there's this feeling of like, my kid won't get in the water without me. And there's this feeling of like, sir, you are four years old. You're going to be okay. I'm right at the side of the pool. I'm watching you. The pool is two feet deep. Like you're not going to drown. You're not going to die. You'll be all right. Get in the water. Then there's also the part of me that's like, I paid for this class. (laughs) Like, you better get in the water, son, because I paid for this class. And when I think about those thoughts, then the educator in me kicks in and is like, Sharice, that's really invalidating. Like, he's uncomfortable in the water. You might be comfortable, and it might be real easy for you to say, just get in the water. You're fine. But for him, I don't know if you all have listened to past episodes. We've kind of talked about the brain versus the body. And so for him, it doesn't feel safe. Like, I can look at the water and logically say, it's two feet tall, you're fine, you'll be okay. For him, he's like, nah, that's water. (laughs) Like, you can't breathe in water. I don't care how tall you tell me it is. If I fall over, I might die. Like, that's actually a valid concern when I think about it, you know? And I'm over here like, just get in the water, you're fine. Nah, if I felt like there was potential that I could die, I don't want someone telling me I'll... you're fine. I'll be right here watching you die. (laughs) Like that's not what I want to hear. So a little bit of what I want to talk to you about today is like, how do we deal with these slow to warm children? Because it can be irritating. We can just jump to all of the logic and we can just jump to you're fine. You can do this. You're however many years old. You should do this. I'm going to kind of walk you through my own thoughts and my own brain process so that we can start to build more compassion for our children and we can start to really understand that all of our children are different. They are different in the way that they learn and they're different in the rates that they develop. So I find a lot of times we might be getting ready to put our child in preschool or in a swim class and we say, okay, you're three years old, you should be ready. For a lot of three-year-olds, they will be ready. They've spent time at home. They love you. They feel safe and secure in the world. They've had enough adults in their life that they trust adults. A lot of this is foundational, right? So, this is also something we want to think about anytime we're putting our child in something new. So, anyways, there are several children that by three, four years old, they will be fine. You can drop them off at school. They're going to go into the classroom. They're going to make friends. They're going to go into their swim class and be fine. Maybe they're going to be timid and, you know, not fully trusting for the first few minutes, and then they're going to get it. And a lot of times we also hold on to that expectation. Again, we're talking about expectations versus reality. So we expect that. We're just going to put them in. They're going to be fine after a few minutes, and we're going to move on with life, right? They're going to learn. They're going to learn how to swim. They're going to learn their ABCs, whatever it is. But that is a developmental expectation. And a lot of times when we are talking about development, Development, it's just a rubric for, like, how to gauge where your child should be by a certain time frame, but it is not four years old they should be doing this. There are some children who will get to a milestone at four years old, and other children may hit the same milestone at four years old and three months, or at four years old and six months, or at five years old. And that is okay, These are things that we should recognize. But back to talking about a slow to warm child, usually you can see if you have a slow to warm child very early on. Usually this will be the child that, as a baby, they may only be comfortable with a handful of people holding them. Or maybe they're only comfortable with you holding them. Or maybe as they get a little bit older, you're at the grocery store, you notice they're always staying really close to you. Or you go to a family event and everybody's saying hi to them and you notice they start to do that thing where they hide behind your leg and maybe they don't want to speak to everybody right away. They just need a little bit more time. They usually need a little bit more time to get to know their environment. They need a little bit more time to get to know the people in the environment before they start to warm up and feel comfortable to be themselves and be more independent in the situation. We are in summertime. Summertime is full of activities, learning new things. I mean, summertime is the time where you start hearing about horse camp and fishing camp and sailing camp and all these things that we just don't do all year round. And because they're available during summer, we as parents usually get really excited. We're like, yay, My child's gonna get so much enrichment this summer. They're gonna be a sailor who knows how to surf and swim through the water and ride horseback over to the lake to do some fishing. That's what we're doing this summer. And then you try to put them in one of these activities and find out that you have a slow to warm child, or find out that you ignored the fact that you have a slow to warm child and they don't wanna get on the horse. They don't wanna get in the pool. They don't wanna see the boat. And they don't care about fish. They don't want to do any of these things. And like me, you're sitting here and you're like, "Uh, child, I just paid all this money for this class. You're going to do this camp. (laughs) You're going to get in this water. You're going to hold that fish. In fact, you're going to bring that fish home and we're going to cook it and eat it for dinner because that's how much I paid for this fishing camp. We're having fish tonight. Go catch the fish. Rather than doing that (laughs) and ruining your summer, ruining their experiences, maybe traumatizing them so that they never want to fish and gain these skills and this enrichment that you're trying to provide for them, start to recognize what kind of child you have and then have compassion for that. But more than compassion, try to see what you can do to support them. So for my son, I noticed that I do have to make the sacrifice of getting in the pool. I don't necessarily want to get in the pool with them, but I did pay for this class. I don't want my money to be wasted, and he will get in the water with me. So for this class, for the first session, which is two weeks, I'm going to get in the water with him. I'm going to give him, and while I'm in the water, another thing I'm going to do is start to try to get him to like have a good relationship with his teacher or the coach is what they call them with the coach because once he feels safe and secure with the coach, he's not going to need me. I'm his security at the moment, right? Like it's, this is not just about him being shy. This is not just him being a quote baby, right? This is him feeling insecure, in a body of water with people he doesn't know. That makes sense to me. So for the moment, while he builds his confidence in his own ability to be in the water, while he builds confidence in the people who are supposed to be taking care of him and making sure he stays alive, I am his security. So I'm going to get in the water with him. And sometimes I'm going to try to encourage him to be a little more independent each time. So the first time we're in the water, I'm literally next to him the whole class. He doesn't want to do anything without me. I'm holding the kickboard. I'm throwing the toys at the end of the class, all that stuff. The next time we get in, I'm going to say, hey, can you show Coach Katie how you do your ice cream scoops in the water? And then he's going to show Coach Katie how he does his ice cream scoops. Now he's connecting with his coach. He's excited about showing his new skill to someone else, and I'm starting to kind of get him... Not just physically away from me, but y'all know what I mean by like away from me. He's starting to be more confident in the water on his own. Then I might say, all right, babe, you get in the water today and I'm going to come in in a few minutes. Get in the water and warm up your leg, do your kicks, and I'll get in in a few minutes. So maybe I'll try to see if he'll get in five minutes without me. Or the opposite of that. Maybe I'll get in with him at the start, and the last five minutes of class, once he's already acclimated to the water and they're playing with toys, I might hop out so that he can have that five minutes by himself. So I'll kind of slowly nudge away from being in there fully with him. But in the meantime, I'll work on getting him comfortable, because that's the support that he needs at the moment. Now, again, I have two four-year-olds. My expectation of you should be four, you should get in the water, you should, 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 should. I don't want to shit all over myself, right? <laughs> and I don't want to shit all over my kid. And one four-year-old is able to do all those things and is comfortable doing all those things. The other four-year-old is not. And for me, one of my things is like, well, what as a parent, one of the questions I ask myself is like, what is my goal? Last week, we talked about family values. Well, what are, what are my values as a parent for my children, right? One of my values is I want to support their development. I want to be able to support them where they are with what they need. And to be able to do that, I have to recognize where they are and what they need. So if he needs the extra support, I can't ignore that and just say, but you should, and then not give him the support that he needs, even if that's a little bit frustrating for me because I don't want to have to give that extra support. But that's where we might talk about conscious parenting. Like The problem is not that he needs extra support. The problem might be that I didn't want to give it. I didn't want to get in the water with him. This is how I sometimes operate as a conscious parent. I have to look at myself and like ask myself, what are these things that I'm telling myself? Why do I feel like he should be in the water right now? I feel like he should be in the water because he's a certain age. That's not actually a factual thing, right? I feel like he should be in the water because I paid for it. That's not a good reason for me to not support his development. What his development is telling me is I need more security. I need more support. I need a little more time. Time is also something we've talked about in previous episodes. Time is a huge thing. And this is actually a topic I could go in on, so I'm going to try to stop myself from not going all the way in right now. However, I want to talk about it a little bit because I think it's important when we are talking about slow to warm children is the aspect of time. And now this is this podcast is called Parenting for the Culture. And one thing I notice is that we are in a hustle culture. Like everything is about time. We have to get to work on time. Like, that's legit. I get that. Yes, get to work on time. (laughs) But everything is about time. We want to finish school in a certain period of time, whether that is preschool, grade school, and even at preschool. You know, we're now in this new children have to be in a certain birthday to start kindergarten. And kids who fall outside of that birthday timeline, parents are freaking out. They're like, my child is gonna be five and a half, almost six years old when they start kindergarten. How do I get around this? Like, slow down. That's okay. If your child is five and a half starting kindergarten, like they they didn't lose. That's okay. <laughs> and it's just so interesting to me how we are so prone to feeling like. We have to start them in school at five and they have to graduate when they're 17 or it would be even better if we get them to graduate when they're 16 because they got to go to college because they got to finish college by this time so that they can get a job by this time so they can enter the work first by this time. But all of these things having to do with time, like it affects how we parent in the moment, We're not even at college and we're already like, hey, you're four, you should be in the water because you're not gonna be ready for X, Y, and Z. Y'all, I've been working with children for over 20 years. I have never met a child that didn't do something by four years old who just never learned how to do it. Like (laughs) that is one of the weirdest fears that so many of us share. Like we go to drop our four-year-old, four-year-old off at school feeling like you should learn how to be in school on your own right now at four. Because if you don't learn now, you're not going to make it into college. Somehow we go there. I don't know how we get there, but somehow we go there. We're like, if you can't get dropped off at four, you're not going to do well in kindergarten. You're not going to be ready for kindergarten. And then you're not going to be ready for high school. And then you're going to fail. And you're not going to go to college. And you're not going to get a job. You're going to be living with me on my couch. Like, we go through so many fears and emotions based off of a single moment. But I guarantee you, if you have a slow to warm child and they are not ready for school at four years old, or they're not ready for an independent swim class at four years old, that does not mean that by four years and six months, they won't be ready. And if they're not ready at four years and six months, it does not mean that they won't be ready at five years old. They will eventually be ready. We talked about that word yet, right? They're not ready yet, but they will be ready. You get them ready by giving them the support and the tools that they need in the moment, not by rushing them and ignoring the fact that they're not ready and sending them in. You know, since we're talking about swimming, this is actually something I recently posted about on my Instagram. It's like this idea of getting upset with our children for not yet having the tools that they need or not yet being at the stage of development that we think they should be in. If we were to look at a child who was drowning and flapping their arms in the water and yelling for help, like we would jump in and save them. We would not pull them out and then tell them, you should have kicked your legs. You should have tread water. What were you doing under the why Why were you drowning? Why were you doing that? <laughs> like, we would not treat them that way. But if we looked at development as the water, right, that they have to learn to swim through and that they have to learn to tread in, we would help them. We would go save them. And then we would hold them. We'd probably give them a hug and be like, I'm so sorry you were in the deep end drowning. Like you weren't ready for that yet. I'm so sorry. I love you. I'm here for you. Let's go in the shallow end. Like we would have no problem making adjustments to help them get to where they need to be if we knew that it meant that they could swim one day. And if we knew that it meant that they would their life would be safe because we don't have to worry about water safety and our children drowning, whether on a family vacation or at a hotel, swimming in the pool, or the backyard if you have a pool. But when it comes to our children's development, like you can't just yell. Well, I don't know if y'all are yelling or not. If you're here, you're probably not yelling (laughs) or trying not to. But you can't look at your child for not reaching a developmental milestone and get upset with them and then just tell them that they should be there. And you can't just ignore it and shove them into the process and expect that they're just going to do it. The only thing they will learn to do is how to mask how they feel about it, but they will not actually learn how to cope, right? So if they are feeling insecure in a new environment, just putting them in that environment because they're a certain age and saying you should stay there, you're not actually teaching them how to cope with the feeling of being insecure. You're not actually teaching them how to find confidence in their space, And sometimes teaching them how to cope, teaching them how to find confidence, teaching them essentially how to swim in these new places, it requires that you take the time to show them how to blow bubbles. When I was first teaching swimming, I would hold up three fingers and say they were birthday candles, and I would tell children, blow out the birthday candles, and then they would blow. And then I would move the birthday candles under the water, and I would say, now blow out the birthday candles underwater, and they would blow. And that's how I got them to learn how to blow bubbles. I couldn't just say blow bubbles. Some children, sure, they could just blow bubbles. Other children would suck up the water and and choke and snort on it. So I had to literally teach them and show them how to blow bubbles. It's the same thing with our children. Sometimes we literally have to teach them and show them and hold their hand until they can hit these developmental milestones, whether that be doing a swim class on their own or walking into a preschool classroom. But I think that as a culture, we really need to get rid of this idea of like, the time is now. And if they don't get it, they're never gonna get it. They're gonna get it. They don't get it yet. And you know, another example of that is my daughter... um, One of my older daughters, she's six. She's not old, but one of the older ones, I guess. (laughs) She just graduated her fish class, which is in the shallow pool, and they promoted her to the barracuda class, which is in the deep pool that's 13 feet. And they promoted her because she can make it from one side of the pool to the other without stopping and putting her feet on the floor. So they're like, you're ready for barracuda. So she went into her barracuda class yesterday and my baby, oh, my baby, she's the cutest. She's so cute. So I see her swimming. She's trying to go from one end to the other. Her stroke is beautiful. Yes, I'm a mama, y'all. She looks so good. She looks like an Olympic swimmer to me. She's three thirds of the way through the pool. And I kind of see her kick getting stronger. Her arms are getting stronger. And her stroke looks amazing. But when she gets to the end of the pool, she kind of stays there and she's freezing. And I look at her and I see that she's like crying. She is so scared and she's so sad. And so I go over to her and I'm like, give me a hug. And so she gets out of the water and she's like, but I'm what? I said, I don't care about no water, girl. Give me a hug. And I hug her and she's like, mommy, that was scary. So I realized that like her kick started looking better and her arms started looking better because she was worried she was about to drown in this 13 foot water and that she... Needed to get to the end of the pool. So why am I telling this story? I'm telling this story because after her experiencing that and being really scared of the deep water, she was like, I don't want to do Barracuda anymore. I'm not ready for this. (laughs) Like, I want to go back to the shallow end where I know I can touch the bottom of the pool when I need to. And I know that, again, I'm not going to die. And again, think about this. Like, yes, she can swim from one side of the pool to the other. So logically, she'll be fine in the deep end. But if you are in the deep end and you look down 13 feet to that ground, like there is no pushing off the bottom, that mess is intimidating. If I was like four feet tall and I looked down 13 feet and knew that there was no way I was going to touch that, or if I did touch it, there was no way I was pushing myself back up, like that's intimidating. And that is scary as hell to be in the middle of a pool thinking like, I got to get to the end before I die. Like I feel for that and I get that. So even while I'm looking at her and her teachers are looking at her saying she's ready for something, she is not feeling ready. She's not feeling confident. So she got out and she was like, I don't want to do Barracuda again. And what I told her, and I meant it wholeheartedly, I'm like, Eden, I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you for listening to your body. It is so important that you recognize what you're comfortable with and that you recognize what's good for you and that you don't let somebody else tell you what is comfortable or should be comfortable for you. So she got out and then she was like, you know what, mommy, I'll think about it. I'll think about barracuda. And I was like, yeah, think about it. Oh, y'all know I have ADHD. So I almost got sidetracked, but I remember now why I was telling the story. Time. So she looks at me and I was and I tell her, I'm like, babe, you have time. Like you don't have to do barracuda right now. You can go back to fish and do fish for a couple of weeks. And when you're ready, you can do barracuda. And she looks at me and she's like, no, mommy, I don't have enough time. I only have till August 11th. And I was like, who told you you only have till August 11th? And she's like, that's when swimming ends. I was like, girl, that's when this session of swimming ends. But like the pool's not going anywhere. There's fall and winter. And even if we're not here in fall, winter and spring, like there's next summer. You have time, Eden. You're six. You don't have to swim in the 13-foot pool right now. And surely you don't have to swim in there doing 10, 20 laps a day. Like, you don't have to do that right now. You have time. And she looked at me and she's like, oh, okay. Like, even she in this culture did not realize that she had time to gain this skill and to work on this skill. Just because the coaches said, we're doing four laps nonstop, you don't have to do that. You can listen to your body. If your body says, I can do one lap right now, do one lap. And then tomorrow, try two laps. Two laps. Or try a lap and a half and turn on your back and float. Like you can design what this looks like for you. Yes, someone else created the framework, but let them know what works for you. And anyways, all of that to say, we get to swimming today and she's like, mommy, I want to try barracuda again. And I was like, good, go try it. And when, if you're not feeling it, you get out again, no problem. When I tell y'all she got in there, my little Olympic star got back in that water. She got back in that water. This time her coach got in with her to give her more support and security because for her, the only thing was a mental block of like, this is so deep, it's scary. So for her, it was mental. It wasn't Physical, she could do it, but she had to get through that mental thing, which a lot of times for slow to warm children or for a lot of children and even adults, it is a mental thing of like, we need to feel safe and feel secure to try the thing or do the thing or do the thing well. So her teacher got in with her and she did the whole lesson in the pool. She did several laps. This girl got so confident and secure. She was doing dives at the end. She threw a ring into the deep end to go get it. We talk a lot about validation, right? So for her, it was not a matter of me needing to convince her, me needing to force her cuz I paid for it. It was a matter of her needing to be validated and feeling like, "Okay, you get this. This is scary. I'm not crazy that this is scary. I'm not wrong, and yes, this is challenging and I'm going to try it." I kind of share that story to to say that like our children may not do things on our timeline. We may feel like they should be doing it faster. But our children will get there. And the way they get there is through validation and connection and security and whatever other tools they need. Maybe you have a child that is worried about going to school because they don't know how to ask for the bathroom. So you teach them, here's where the bathroom is. Here's your teacher that will tell you where the bathroom is. Here's your teacher that you can say, hey, I need to use the bathroom. It is our job to connect with our children and understand kind of what they're fearful about to be able to give them the tools to do it on their own. We might be holding their hand now, they might be slow to warm now, and they might be slow to warm always. And our job as parents is to recognize that and then recognize that each stage of life, my child is gonna need new tools. What tools do I give them so that when they are slow to warm, when things feel uncomfortable for them, What tools can I give them so that they can have more confidence and security in their ability, in their environment, so that they can become that adult that we want them to become, to be out there on their own, successful, and also able to listen to their body, and also able to feel comfortable in every situation? Like, what good is safety if it's only perceivably safe to us, but they don't feel safe? Like, I don't care if you tell me something is safe or something is fun or something is good. If I am not feeling it, that safety, that goodness, that happiness, like it has no value to me because I'm not actually experiencing it. So again, going back to like how I address when my when my son needs me in the pool with him or when my daughter tells me she's not ready for a certain level of class, like is the goal, oh, because I paid for this and because you're X years old and you need to do this right now? Or is the goal, yes, I want you to do this, but I also want you to experience it and enjoy it a certain way. I need to be able to pour into all sides of that. Another thing I want to share with you guys is like, if you recognize that you have a slow to warm child, because most likely you're not seeing this for the first time when you take them to a swim class. And you're not seeing this for the first time when you take them to preschool. You have most likely seen this uh, at birthday parties, family events, even at the grocery store if a stranger says, oh, your purse, your skirt, whatever, is so cute. And they kind of hide behind you. Like, you usually see this in your child early on. So once you see this, if you know you have a slow to warm child, and if you know you don't want to be paying money for them to be slow to warm... I would suggest that, like, rather than feeling this need to push our children to do things because we paid for it, because of the time aspect of things, start looking at other ways that you can empower yourself as a parent and support your child. So, for instance, local parks and recreation centers, like, they usually offer a wealth of classes that are like $5 versus a $500 camp. And a lot of times as parents, we want to give our children the best. And so we see this camp and it's $500 and they spout out names to us that are going to be there or who are affiliated with it. And so we want to enroll that enroll them in that because we're like, this is the best. And my child deserves the best. So I'm going to invest this $500. But then we find ourselves, and and y'all, if you're looking surprised at $500, If you're a parent and you're a parent in LA, you know, these camps are ridiculously high. Now I'm not saying I pay $500 for swim camp because I don't, (laughs) but I do know of so many camps that run that high, like $500 a week. So if you know that you have a slow to warm child, while you want to get them the best, you also want to be the best for them. And you don't have to like you don't have to waste your money on $500 things like find the free demo class before you enroll them full on in camp or find the parks and recreation version that again is like $5 versus $500 so that you know if your child does not like it if they're not willing to try it or stay there or whatever challenging things might happen in the process of introducing them to these new activities if you know that that might be an option for you And you know you're gonna be irritated if you invest a bunch of money in something that your child is not gonna do. Because let's be honest, if you pay the hundreds of dollars for camp, and your child does not wanna participate in camp, and you say, but I paid for this camp so you stay in, you're not actually like not wasting your money anymore. You're not actually getting the value for your money anymore because your child is unable to get the value from the camp Because they don't want to be there. And regardless of whether or not you push them in the pool or you make them stay in that room or whatever the situation is, you can't force them to participate in all every step of the way. Like, sure, I could push my son in the pool and make him stay there. He's going to cry he's going to cry and scream the whole time. And he's, if he doesn't scream and cry, he is surely not about to be Matilda and dive under the water and start moving his arms and legs and swim. Like that's just not going to (laughs) happen. It's just not. So either way, I am quote wasting my money because I'm not getting the value of my money and the value of the class that I enrolled them in. So I would say, if you know, you have a slow to warm child, look for the free options first, Look for the no-cost options first until you guys find something that you know your child is interested in. Once you know they're interested, now make the investment so that they can stay there and grow their interest and develop their skills in that area. I say this to my children. I'm saying it to you. You can design your life. If you find a camp that is expensive, ask the camp, do you think we can do a trial day? Even if that's not something they offer on the website, most likely like they're going to be willing to work for you, work for you, (laughs) work with you. Like they also want your money. They want people on board. So if a trial day is what it takes for them to get you on board, they're going to allow that maybe. Right. And if they don't offer a trial day, that tells you something about the organization and that maybe that's not for you in this moment. But like I said, take baby steps. Don't go invest all your money into music classes, and then buying a $100 violin all for your child to tell you that they're not interested in that, they don't want to do it, and now you mad at them because you wasted your money. Like Be a little smarter with your own money. Find demo classes, free options, shorter sessions, so that your child can get acclimated and you have time to find out what your child loves and is interested in and where you should actually invest both your time and your money. All right, my friends. So your homework for this week is to find some resources in your area. Even if you don't use them, I want you to find resources in your area of low cost or free demo classes and different activities that your child can do so that you have the options to invite them and put them in these things to kind of get to know them and see what they are. And also, Your homework is to share those resources. So when you find those resources, I want you to share them to your Instagram stories. Tag me at Cherise Sims. Tag Black Love at Black Love. um, And share them in the the comments on the podcast episode. We read them there also. Um, But before we go, I have to remind you that Black Love is back, y'all. And it is the last season. And that has me in my feelings. I'm feeling sad. But we're going to be all right. We're going to pull through this together. (laughs) And if you're behind on seasons, you can catch up on the free Black Love Plus app presented by Target. And you can catch this week's episode on Saturday at 10, 9 central. Um, And that's going to be playing on the own network. And also, if you're sad about the show ending, like I am, don't worry because Black Love has so many things in store because Black Love is forever, y'all. So let's continue the black love here. If you guys have anything you want me to talk about, please DM me at Cherie Sims on Instagram, or you can put it in the comments here, or you can fill out the Google form, which is in the show notes right here. Um, but le- let's stay connected. Let's keep this black love going forever. Um, and I'm gonna run. My, my daughter just hopped out here. I don't know what she wants. Now she's waving at me. No, no, it's okay. Never mind. I don't need anything. But y'all know she needs something. I, and I need a coffee. So I'm going to go see what my daughter needs, get myself a coffee. Don't forget to rate this podcast, review it, and share this podcast with your friends, with other parents, with soon to be parents. We recently did an episode on getting on the same page with parenting. That is one of the best ways going into parenting on the same page. So if you have people that you know are about to be parents or thinking about being parents, send them this podcast. Um, Do your homework and I will see you all next week. Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production.